Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. You're listening to the Self Mastery Podcast, where we break through barriers holding you back from becoming who you want to be. Whether you're struggling with pornography, overeating, social media addiction, or just want to get better at succeeding at life, this podcast is for you. Now your host, Zach Spafford. Everybody, and welcome to a beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, and it's not Darcy. Everyone is usually used to me saying it's... I have somebody here with me and it turns out to be Darcy, but today it's a young woman named Ashley Ayer and she has spoken at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography. She is a young woman who has spent a lot of time trying to figure out a very specific set of demons in her life. And I wanted you to hear her story. Ashley's never coached with me, but I, I think what you'll find is that the principles that she talks about are very similar to the ones that I teach and coach people on as they go and work on getting rid of their pornography. So Ashley, why don't you give us an idea of your story? Tell us, tell us all about you. Okay. Hi. Thank you. That was cool. That was a cool introduction. So <laughs> I just made it. I, <laughs> I have been raised in an amazing family. Um, I have seven other siblings. So there's, there's a lot of us. Let's just start off when I was a little kid. So I was, you could say the perfect kid. You know, perfect meaning like my family always trusted me and I was obedient. I like to be like the teacher's pet, you could call. I kind of took that with me growing up as a teenager and I'm still having to break that. (laughs) My family, they kind of didn't worry about me much growing up because I have been so involved in um, amazing things like piano and acting. You know, I've been a really good student in school. I was homeschooled and always did everything I was supposed to do. Um, I was like a couple grades ahead of my brothers. So I pretty much just thrived. I had a great childhood. When I was 11 years old, I came across a book and it was just a really good book. It taught about morality and like the consequences of not making good moral choices. And so that made me really curious. Shortly after, I had the big birds and bees talk with my parents. And right after that, we moved. So I was pretty much handed all of this information. And then we just left our life and we changed everything. So that was really weird. Because I was introduced to the idea of pornography, I kind of found it out in other ways, like dictionaries. I found it in just weird art. So it wasn't like anything hard porn or anything. Um, Very soft. But then when we moved, I was handed a smartphone and I went to school for my first time. So just everything, my whole life changed. Um, When I was handed my phone, I got social media and games and, you know, was just thrown into this new world I wasn't used to. On social media, of course, there's pornography. And that just led into a big six-year addiction to pornography. You could really just call it a bad habit, bad coping mechanism. I turned to that very often, multiple times a day. That affected my schooling. That affected my relationships. I had to be taken out of school. No one knew why, um, but I was homeschooled on and off all the way up to graduation. 
I didn't tell anyone. I was very, very good at hiding it. And I made this second life. Um, I put on a fake face and my family had no idea. Because we did move and we were in survival mode, my parents, they were busy remodeling our house. They were busy taking care of all the kids. And of course, my brothers, they were involved in some crazy things my mom had to deal with. Um, So I was kind of like the middle child where no one really worried about me. So I was dealing with this on my own. We, We didn't have very much experience with technology either. I was handed a phone as well as, you know, my brothers got it at the same time. So we were the guinea pigs and we didn't really have any restrictions. So, you know, me just being a teenage kid, I would take my phone to my room, have it in my room as I, you know, going to sleep. I had it in my room and of course I stayed up really late and that just isn't good for a young teenager. I was talking to my mom and she's been telling me that she always has been against technology. We don't really like computers we don't like games that's how we were raised so she never really liked the idea of us having phones but she felt like she didn't have much control because that's what my dad wanted Um, he thought it would be fine so she kind of just let it happen but she was really worried about it all the time even about me she was worried about me and she didn't know why so I just grew up and I had a such a hard time with my son I always had a love-hate relationship Though I want to say it was like hate, <laughs> you know, because I was just trying to it because I was so addicted. That affected me in many other ways. Also, I just from looking at all of those pictures on Pinterest and YouTube and Instagram, especially Snapchat, just looking at all of that and seeing, you know, like everyone's perfect life, the comparison, I developed really bad body image problems. And I dieted from when I was about 14 years old, like hardcore dieting. That plays into another part, which I'll go into in a minute. In December of 2017, I was talking with my cousin. She was my really close friend. And we just opened up. That was the first time I really talked to anyone. I wanted to tell like my parents. I wanted to tell them for so long. I kept writing notes. I was going to slip them to Uh, my bishop. I wanted to slip him to my mom, but I was so nervous about, um, first off, you know, getting the perfection label off of me because that's that's what I was so worried about. I didn't want my phone being taken away. That was another thing. Another reason why I didn't tell. Because I was so addicted to it. And also, so there's bad reasons, of course. And then there's the good. You know, so it's tell me, good so tell to me connect. the good and the bad. What are the reasons why having a phone was so important to you? Okay. As a teenager, I just wanted to connect with my friends. So, you know, texting them, that was a huge thing. Escaping all the stresses of my life, that was another big thing. You know, turning to YouTube and social media, that was not a very good thing. And so those are basically the two biggest things. Right. Um, so on the one hand, it was a great way to communicate with your friends. But on the other hand, yeah. it was a great way to escape from all the difficulties, the trouble of your life. Yes. What was it like talking to your bishop for the first time? And why did you decide to go to your bishop? Because I know in yeah. previous conversations we've had, you decided not to go to your parents and you went to your bishop, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh-huh. I felt super awful about it. Just, you know, it kind of, it took a while. For a couple of years, I enjoyed it. I loved how it made me feel. Wait, but all along I knew. So go yes. back to that. You enjoyed pornography okay. and yeah. you enjoyed how it made you feel. Yes. Yes. And I think that that is something that we so often 
when when people talk about pornography, they are like, no, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is and I talk about this with my clients so often is there's a reason why we like it. Like nobody goes on the internet and watches like videos of the insides of a porta potty. But people, well, maybe they do. I don't know. But maybe that's <laughs> I don't I don't know anything about it. But people go and they watch pornography. Why? Because it makes us feel good. And I think that's a really important thing to note when it comes to the idea that so many of us are ashamed of this behavior. Mm-hmm. We do it because it has this component of beauty. But go on. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh, you're good. Yeah, I didn't really. This is actually pretty interesting. So my mom got the bad, the good pictures, bad pictures book, and it talks about how to talk to your kids about pornography. Um, and when I saw that, it was probably... I was probably addicted for two years at that time. So I was probably 14 years old. I didn't want anyone to see that I was reading it. I didn't want my parents to have any idea. Um, And also reading it, it kind of made me feel, uh, it kind of made me feel good that I was being bad. You know, it was telling me that pornography is not good for you. And it kind of, Maybe because I was such a perfectionist, like it felt good to be a rebel. So I feel like pornography really poisoned me and I wasn't able to, you know, learn from the book. I wasn't able to, um, you know, figure out how to get out of that horrible cycle. Um, And so actually, so it was kind of like a peak and then it just dropped off. And that's when, when I was in the, deep hole that I put myself in that's when I was able to talk to my bishop because I just hated it I hated every moment of it um and what and at the top like you would use pornography every day every other day once a week every day yeah I was in seminary probably when I was 15 years old and I remember my teacher he was talking about chastity and I remember he was talking about you know staying sexually clean and he talked about pornography and masturbation in such a shameful way. It just made me want to like die. Like he was so, he was so shameful about it. And that's when everything kind of clicked. I knew that I was doing something wrong. Um, it wasn't helping me, but it didn't help. It just made me want to hide it even more. And I was scared. Um, so I'm really not grateful for the way that he talked about it. So what would you say to an adult who's listening to this, a leader mm-hmm. in the church, whether it's a seminary yeah. teacher or a young men's leader or a bishop or a young women's leader, what would you say to them would be a, a positive way to, to talk about this subject in a way that's going to help a young woman or a young man deal with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, first off, <laughs> saying that, talking about both of those things, um, in a general way, saying that both boys and girls can struggle with it because I never knew that girls could even, I didn't know that was a possibility, honestly. Um, which is interesting. Cause I do, I get clients yeah. who are both men and women. Uh, in fact, I have a, a 20 year old woman that I'm coaching right now who this mm-hmm. is her struggle. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a really important message to recognize that everyone can struggle with this. Yeah. So I love um, what else would you tell them? I would give them some, you know, tips to help them get out of it. Um, Tell them like what's on the other side, because they, you know, you do get poisoned and you kind of think that that's the only way that 
you can live. Um, and so I would give them tips and tell them about the healing and the hope for them. Um, you know, not making it such a shameful thing, um, telling them the problems with it, but then also keeping it positive and giving the hope and healing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that's really important to recognize that the atonement's paid for this this activity as well, right? Like the atonement mm-hmm. has paid for the sins of looking at pornography. And, and it's really important to be clear that all of the mistakes that we'd make. And, and when I think about the atonement, I think about its power to bring us closer to our heavenly father. So what happens when we don't behave in the way that we think we should, right? Then all of a sudden we distance ourselves from our friends, our family, our heavenly father. And that atonement mm-hmm. is the bridge that allows us to um, overcome that gap that we've created between ourselves and our heavenly father. When I think young men and young women's leaders talk about this, whether it's the bishop or whoever, it really needs to be clear that this has been paid for. Now that it's been paid for, it's so important that you make a choice to go forward, right? Make different choices going forward. You don't have to worry about what happened in the past. What else would you say was one of the things that helped you figure out, okay, this isn't who I want to be? Just seeing how it affected my life and, you know, it was taking me away from living it. You know, it took me away from my family. I would turn to it. I also wasn't doing as well in piano and I have always been really good pianist. And so that was scary when my time was being filled with that instead of like all the good that I was used to doing. So that was a scary moment. Just seeing that this, if I keep going on this path, I could end up just doing this my whole life. And I just really wanted to make a change. I'm um, seeing how it was negatively affecting me. Why was it so hard to talk to your parents? First off, because they seem so perfect. Because your parents seem so perfect. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another thing is I was scared about how they would react. That was probably one of the biggest ones. Because I have, you know, watching all my siblings, I have so many siblings. And when they make a mistake, I get nervous that my dad's going to yell at them or the natural man just comes out. And so I was really nervous because this is such a big thing. I knew that my mom probably would never think that her kids would struggle with that. So that was a scary place. I didn't want to tell them and I never planned to. But what happened? So I talked to my bishop and I was able to get over all of those addictions on my own. Do you want me to jump to how I told my parents? Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love to hear how you told your parents. Okay. So this is jumping forward a couple of years. So I would like to say that I was sober for a few years, but I didn't really start healing um, until later. It was just kind of hidden. And so I never really wanted to tell my parents. I didn't want them to know that I struggled with that. And then when I met Colin Karchner, I talked to him on Instagram, like a lot of teens do. I opened up and I shared my story Um, and he had me on his podcast. Um, And because of that, I was kind of, I kind of had to tell my mom, you know, she was like, why are you going on a podcast? What are you talking about? I'm like, well, mom, here's everything. Let me tell you the story that I'm going to tell to the world. Yeah. (laughs) So I told her and then, when I was going up to speak at the Utah Coalition Against Pornography event in St. George, um, I kind of had to tell my dad. And, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, and it was actually very helpful. They were able to talk to me and help me, you know, figure out what happened and get started on the healing journey. 
So when you told them, they didn't freak out? No. Good for them. You know, there's a lot of parents who listen to this podcast and they're trying to help their young boys and their young girls and they are trying to figure out how do I have this conversation uh, with them? And I think it's really, you know, it speaks well of your parents that they were able to make it not about them, but allow it to mm-hmm. be the decisions that you made and allow it to be something that you have both struggled with and, and, and moved past in your life. Yeah. Why? Well, why did you share your story? Cause this is not something that, I mean, I'll be honest with you, even my own family, right? So this is what I do for a living. I've coached people for a living on how to stop viewing pornography and my own family. This is, you know, not everyone is appreciative that I'm talking about this subject openly. Why did you share your story? I just know that that would have really helped me. Um, if someone would have talked about it and shared their story, just know that I'm not alone. That really would have changed everything. And I just want to be that person for someone else, even though it's scary to be vulnerable and, you know, share those very personal things. Um, but you know, I just want to help someone. That's pretty much why I did it. And of course, I will say at first, it was probably more for personal reasons, which wasn't great, you know, trying to feel better about myself. Like, hey, look, I accomplished something. But after talking to my parents, you know, I was able to get back on track. And, you know, this is really about helping other people. I think so many people can appreciate this. So you're how old now? 19? Mm-hmm. You're an old lady. What are you going to do with your yeah. life? <laughs> <laughs> what steps did you take to stop pornography? And we've talked about binge eating and we've talked about masturbation mm-hmm. as well. What steps did you take to move past those behaviors in your life? So after I talked to my bishop, that was in January 2018. A couple months later, I had the big double jaw surgery and I wasn't able to eat for a whole month. You know, it was just like soups and smoothies. So because my body was so hungry, (laughs) it just needed food. That's when the binging started. And I developed binge binge eating disorder and that lasted for nine months. And it was terrifying. Um, Also, along with that, um, it makes me sad because when I had another, you know, I came from the pornography addiction um, and also the masturbating. Um, when I came from that, I thought, you know, oh, I'm done with my addictions. But then just transferred to another, which was eating disorder, you know, eating addiction. And because that was so hard on me, there were so many ups and downs every day. It was, it was awful. Um, I had to cope with that. And then masturbation came back. So I was struggling with two major addictions, which made me feel pretty hopeless. Um, and so... I was able to, with help of, you know, YouTube videos and talking to a lot of people that went through these things, um, I was able to figure out how to get out of my eating disorder. Um, And looking back, those are kind of the same steps I took to get over my pornography addiction. So the biggest thing that helped me was turning to God and, you know, a higher power if you're not religious or that was the biggest thing opening up and being honest with myself realizing that I needed to change and you know coming up with a bigger why instead of just being like hey I'm sick of this you know it was more than that um there's a bigger reason I wanted to be a better person for my future kids you know what I mean 
Uh, number two was I was putting so much energy into these addictions. I was, you know, like, even though I didn't want to, I was pretty much fueling them um, by focusing so much on them. It was like my second life became my first life. I was writing my journals every day. I've been a really good journal writer, but that kind of backfired because I was putting so much focus into my addictions, you know, like saying day one, day 17, and just kind of just focusing too much. That kind of kept me wanting, if that makes sense, to stay in it. Number three was opening up. So Um, what did you do with those journals before you go on to number three? Because I know you mentioned this the last time we talked. What yeah, you those journals. I got rid of them. I had to put them in a box and hide them. <laughs> um, you, let go, you let go of that story of this is how many days. You yes. let go of that story of, you know, I'm still thinking about this thing all the time. Uh-huh. I love that. You, yeah. And in my journals, um, I would talk about when it came to my food, I was talking about like what I ate that day and just like always thinking about every little detail trying to figure out how to stop it, but that just wasn't helping. And also, you know, with my masturbating, I was talking about, you know, did I, where was I, you know, just putting so much focus and it, it just didn't help. Well, you let go um, of the story. It, well, it sounds like you let go of the story that I have to keep track of this. I have to control this. I have to spend all my time making sure that I don't go back to this rather than yeah. just being like, yep, that happened. And now I'm going to move forward and I'm going to, Make it exactly. next time, which I, I love that that idea. That's one of the concepts that I teach, and I think it gives so much power to the future and to the to the person you want to be, rather than the person that you have been. Yes, that's perfect. So yeah, number three was just opening up. That's pretty simple, and it did, you know it's just my cousin. It doesn't have to be like anyone big, um, but that was like one of the biggest things to actually start the change. Well, number and I four. I think that really speaks to the reality that this, this can be a conversation that you have without being ashamed. Mm-hmm. And I think so mm-hmm. often the behaviors that we have that we're, we're ashamed of, those are the ones that we, that drive deeper and deeper into our lives. And, uh, you know, I know from my own personal experience, mm-hmm. the more people I told, the more likely I was to hear somebody say, I'm so proud of you for, for telling me, I'm so uh, grateful that you would you know, have this conversation with me. I never had anybody like, you know, stiff arm me and be like, get away from me. You're a bad person. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that showed the love that there is out there for every one of us. Like everybody struggles with something. And when we, when we open up about it, we have that conversation. It gives both us the realization that we're not alone and we're not, uh, you know, we're, we're not unforgivable and we're not you know, mm-hmm. someone who can't, you know, move forward with our lives and gives other people the opportunity to open up about their struggles. So I love that. That's yeah. a perfect step. I love it. So the next one was realizing the difference between shame and guilt, because I had been taught that this is such an awful thing. And I was, you know, so full of shame. Every bad thing was awful. Um, so when I was able to kind of switch that and just say, Hey, yeah, I messed up, but taking accountability and being responsible for my actions, that was when I was able to start, you know, like messing up, but being able to move on instead of dwelling in that. Well, and this, this speaks to some of the language that you've been using, which is, you know, the story of I'm no longer a victim of this behavior Mm -hmm. 
is so important. The, the moment that you can let that go and just be responsible for it as a choice mm-hmm. instead of as an addiction, I think so many people listening to this podcast, they'll know that I don't use the addiction model. I don't, you know, use it as a, and, and I get that it's part of our everyday language. You know, I'm addicted to pornography. I'm addicted to my phone. I'm addicted to mm-hmm. food. Right. And so I'm not in, in the most strict sense of the word, you know, addiction, I don't think that's what most people were de- are dealing with. I don't think that's what you were dealing mm-hmm. with, but I do get that that's how we're talking about it. But that shift from I'm stuck and I can't stop to I'm responsible for this decision and now I can mm-hmm. move forward. I love that. That is such a powerful component of letting this go and, and not being trapped by it. Yeah, I love that. The next thing that really helped me was removing the labels I put on myself. I mean, like I'm an addict. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> because like deep down inside, it kind of felt cool to have a label. You know, like I struggle with an eating disorder. Like it sounded cool and different. And I kind of just hang on to that identity. So letting that go, that really helped me. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that, again, speaks to the language that we use on ourselves and about ourselves. And those are your, those are the five things that you did on your own to drop pornography, to drop masturbation, to drop eating, uh, binge eating. Right. And I love that. Oh, I did forget one. I'm sorry. The last one was when I stopped fighting it When I stopped fighting to be perfect and kind of just letting my urges happen. And then, you know, sitting with them, sitting with my feelings because I always numbed out before. So you know, those were the six things that helped me. Awesome. For those of you who've listened to the podcast for some time now, you'll know that feeling your feelings is a huge component of the work that we do. And the process of doing that is different for everyone. I teach a process that I use that so many people use that is concrete and doable for even men. Oftentimes I talk about how men only, we feel like we only have three feelings. That's men, right? Like we think, oh, we don't have feelings. We're not supposed to. And women, they're like, well, I'm supposed to have feelings, but I don't want to have so many of them, right? So we fight our Mm -hmm. feelings on both ends of the spectrum. And so I think it's wonderful that you've kind of figured out, oh, wait a minute. If I just feel lonely or frustrated or sad or whatever it was that you were feeling before you would do either binge eating or viewing pornography or masturbating, that you could just drop all of that extra behavior and stick with that feeling until it, until it went away. So I think that's, I think that's marvelous. It's so interesting to me. So, because, because when I hear you talk about this, this is very much like my own personal journey. Like I didn't have a coach. I didn't have someone helping me figure this out. I had to figure it out on my own, just like you. And I think it's really awesome that you are willing to talk about this and willing to provide people with so much hope that this isn't something that's going to keep you trapped for the rest of your life, especially young women. So to that end, what would you say to any young woman who's listening to this? That are struggling. That might be struggling. That might be struggling with pornography. That might be struggling with masturbation. That might be struggling with binge eating or any other unwanted behavior that is that they feel like is keeping them from being the best version of themselves. Mainly that there is hope and healing for them. That there's a different life available. You know, there's some hard work that they'll have to go through, but it's so worth it. And I didn't even know that that was an option for me. I didn't know that I could live a life without addiction. It's just amazing that 
no, there's an atonement. There's so many people that can help you, coaches, and you can have a life away from that. You don't have to be stuck in that forever. I love it. I love it. And for those moms out there and those dads out there, what would you tell them to start doing or to stop doing around these conversations? What what would you tell them? First off, remove the shame. And another thing is actually talk about them. I don't know how many parents actually address all these issues. So have those conversations with your kids. Of course, don't just mention it to them and let them deal with it on their own. Um, you need to continue to talk to them and, you know, be their guide so that they don't feel like they need to self-explore. You know what I mean? And finding connection with your kids, talking with your kids, hanging out with your kids, you know, show them what the good life is supposed to be so they don't get so stuck in the addictions. I think that's so important to hear you say that it's, you know, the conversations that parents need to have need to just come from the parents, right? Mm -hmm. And being engaged with your kids. I, you know, I was, I was in a meeting with, with our state presidency last night. And one of the things that came up was, you know, what are we doing to help our children in this pandemic, this time of extraordinary upheaval? And something that I've been talking about on this podcast since the pandemic started was, you know, this is an extraordinary moment in time. It's unique in my lifetime. It's unique in the lifetime of most people with living memory. And this is a great moment to spend time with our kids, spend time with our family in a way that we've never been able to. You know, we've, we've always been sports and running off to this and running off to that and so engaged with external activities. And when the pandemic came in, and I anticipate that we will probably see some additional, uh, you know, tightening of the belt when it comes to all of this stay home and don't spend as much time out as we have been in, in the past. This is that moment where you're not going to get this time back. And if you've got kids at home, begin having these conversations. In fact, to that end, you know, Darcy and I have been working on a project that uh, it's not done yet, but we're working on a project for parents to have a conversation with their kids, to teach parents how to have these conversations with their kids. Because it's something that Darcy and I do on the regular. It's something that's very important to us. And so I love that advice of, you know, just getting in and teaching your kids know what what's what's this all about and let me teach you how to live a life without it and i and i think that's so beautiful so if if you're interested i'm just going to kind of plug this right now if you're interested in having that training please feel free to email me at zach at zachspafford.com i will happily send you i'll put you on the list for the for the first version that comes out so that you've got it so you can begin that conversation with your kids so thank you for thank you for that un, unprompted plug. Thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. Any last words? Any or any parting wisdom that you would like to to put out there to to anyone? Yes, one last thing. I know with addiction, getting over addiction is so hard and I remember me trying to white knuckle my way through. And recently you know, I started going to therapy and I made a plan with my therapist. And now whenever I get the urges and, you know, like I don't do that anymore. I don't look at pornography. I, I, you know, I don't turn to those coping mechanisms anymore, but it doesn't mean that I don't still get tempted or urges. So working with another person, um, I've been able to create a plan. And I think that we all need to, you know, create plans for ourselves, even if we are thoughts in the past, because that's helped me get on the defense side. And I know that we can all get over our challenges. 
Um, I love that. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with, with us, sharing with my audience. I know that there are so many young women out there who could use this conversation, this very conversation that we're having. And I, I hope any of those of you who are out there who need you know, some assistance to stop doing whatever it is that is keeping you from being the best version of yourself, please reach out. Um, I would love to chat with you. Darcy would love to chat with you. Ashley, would you love to chat with anybody who needs help? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you want to give them your, do you have like an Instagram handle? Do you? Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram. I do have Facebook, but mostly Instagram. And Facebook's it is. For old people. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Ashley Air, um, A-S-H-L-E-E-A-Y-R-E. Awesome. So if you want to reach out to Ashley, I'm sure she would love to help you chat about this, see if there's anything that she can do to keep you moving forward in the right direction. Awesome. Hey, everybody, thanks so much for listening to Mastery Monday. We will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Imagine you sitting next to your loved one and no longer bogged down by the greatest trial of your life. Each month, I offer a free webinar that you can attend where you can get your questions answered about how you can break free from pornography use. Take a moment now and go to the website, zackspafford.com slash free call, and you can sign up for free. You don't want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to ask questions, learn a new skill, and even get coached live if you like. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills that Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and If you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.